Sorry about that. <laughs> um, we got coverage of North Carolina's newest law passed yesterday, we've, which legalized fracking in the state and an homage to a great North Carolina, North Carolina icon. But before that, let's turn to Katie for the weather. What's been going on, Katie? Well, lately we have been dealing with this major heat wave across the triangle in a large portion of the central and eastern U.S. Boy, it has been miserable out there. We already set four record highs for the summer. Raleigh has now broken the June record and tied the all-time record on Friday, last Friday. The temperature at RDU Airport rose to 105 degrees. This breaks the old record high temperature of 101 on this date and last set in 1945. This also also breaks the all-time June high temperature record. Last time, um, record high of 105 and last set on August 21st of 2007. We also had another record breaker on Saturday. A record high temperature of 105 degrees was set at RDU, and this breaks the old record of 102 set in 1959. And on Sunday, July 1st, a record high temperature of 103 degrees at RDU, and this breaks the old record of 99 set in 2005. And finally, today, a record high temperature was set at RDU Airport. The temperature at RDU was 100 at around 1 o'clock this afternoon, and this breaks the old record high of 98 set in 1955. We are also currently under a code orange air quality alert, which remains in effect until 9 this evening, which means unhealthy air out there for sure, especially for those with asthma and respiratory problems. So try and stay indoors and limit outdoor activity as much as possible. The good news is that tomorrow's air quality forecast looks a lot better than today's with code yellow alert, which is just moderate air quality. Tonight we will see a low of 76 degrees and a slight chance of some storms out there. It looks like on the 4th of July we will have a slight heat relief with highs finally staying in the 90s range, not the 100s, with a high of around 96 degrees and partly sunny skies. And we may see some pop-up showers or storms in the afternoon and that will help cool us down a bit. Tomorrow evening will be warm with a low of 75 degrees, and we do have a slight chance of scattered showers and storms, but let's just hope these storms hold out until after the fireworks. Thursday and Friday, we will see mostly sunny skies with a slight chance of storms and highs in the mid-90s and lows in the mid-70s. Now, this weekend is going to be mostly sunny and a hot one with highs in the upper 90s and lows in the upper 70s. So pretty crazy stuff happening out there. I say the topic of climate change is now definitely up for debate, Jake. Scientists are already discussing the role of climate change in recent extreme heat and damage caused by intense storms in the mid-Atlantic region and wildfires in Colorado. And according to NCAR climate scientist Kevin Trudenberth, we're now officially going outside of the realm of conditions previously experienced. No kidding, Katie. It's been really weird around here the past couple of weeks. Crazy weird. You walk outside and it's like a heat wave or a wave of heat. <laughs> and um, No, and then it's it was raining big fat droplets earlier and you know you heard five million people out in the mid-atlantic without power i know it's It's, just crazy it's crazy stuff it's been absurd thanks katie you're welcome next we turn to andrew with what's happening in the news thanks jake mohammed morsi was sworn in as egypt's president saturday morsi is a leading member of the muslim brotherhood and promised after taking his oath that he would lead egypt as a civil constitutional and modern state he succeeds hosni mubarak as president who was overthrown last year during the 2011 Egyptian Revolution. The Supreme Court upheld the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare, in a 5-4 decision. It was widely speculated that the individual mandate, which requires the purchase of health insurance, would be ruled unconstitutional. But the court's liberal justices, along with Bush appointee Chief Justice John Roberts, upheld the mandate as a tax. 
And it's expected tomorrow physicists at CERN in Geneva, Switzerland, will announce the discovery of the Higgs boson particle. Particle popularly known as the God particle, the Higgs boson has long been theorized to be the reason elementary particles have mass. This is said to be one of the most important discoveries in modern physics. And that's the news. Thanks, Andrew. The Still Timber Sports Collegiate Championship is basically exactly what it sounds like, a competition to find the best lumberjack out there. This year, the 2012 Still Timber Sports Collegiate Southern Qualifier was held right here in NC State. DeAndre Jones spoke with the coordinator of the event. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to present the newest event that will spotlight Raleigh. Last March, NC State hosted the Still Timber Sports Collegiate Southern Qualifier. This national competition showcases the different wood-related talents of various collegiate students. How do they do this, you ask? By issuing interesting and innovative challenges for them to complete. Today, Brad Sorgan, the producer of the Timber Sports Challenges, gave me a call to discuss Lumberjacks. Could you give a, a brief explanation of what exactly is Timber Sports? Oh, absolutely. The Steel Timber Sports Series is the longest-running show on ESPN other than Sports Center. Basically, what we did was we took traditional logging skills like, you know, chopping, sawing. All of a sudden, a couple guys in about 1900s did this in the forestry as part of their job. Somewhere along the line, a couple guys got a little bit of liquid courage in them at the end of the day and started competing against one another. We just happened to be the ones that steal to put it on television and make a competition and take some of the best athletes in the world and let them duke it out to see who the best lumberjack is. So most definitely. So how popular is Timber Sports today? Oh, it's uh, definitely got not only a cult following, but a mainstream following. It's not one of those sports that you can pick up and play, so some folks don't necessarily get it when they first see it, but it's definitely got an excitement because you don't necessarily know what it is, but when you're flipping through the channels and you land on the Steel Timber Sports Series, you got to stay and watch the action. The reason why we're doing this area today is because the last collegiate competition was hosted by NC State. Absolutely, yeah. The, the Southern Qualifier for the competitions for both the college and the pro were hosted at NC State. Was there any specific choosing process that made you guys choose our college? Actually, the, the Southern Qualifier is unique in that it's got everything set up for around uh, 16 years. They know which school is going to host it next each year. And it's part of the American Society of, uh, American Society of Southern Foresters. So every year the, the new school gets to host the event, and NC State was in the cycle to host it this year. How was our venue? Oh, it was fantastic. We actually hosted it at the Farmer's Market right outside campus in Raleigh. Uh, under the lights, we did it on the Friday evening, so it's kind of like Friday night football. Uh, people came from <laughs> all over the region. Uh, you know, some folks you know, had a good little time over. Some of the frat houses came over and were cheering on their competitor. The best thing about the Southern Qualifier is it's got a lot of great ACC and SEC schools. So folks are used to watching football and basketball and screaming for their team, and they just went absolutely nuts under the lights watching these guys chop and saw in a really close, tight environment with guys swinging axes. That sounds like just right amount of fun for us. Yeah, um, it was a good time. I mean, it came down to the wire with some of the guys, including the NC State competitor and the Virginia Tech competitor. I won't spoil it to tell you guys who won. you got to watch the action to find out. But, uh, wow, it, was, it, it came down to a saw-off. I mean, those guys were really close, neck and neck the entire way. What kind of events are there in the Timber Sports competition? So there's actually six different events that the pros participate, and then only four that the college guys participate. The other two are a little bit a little bit higher end in terms of dollar value uh, to participate in, a little bit harder to train for. Those are actually the hot saw, which is a custom-modified chainsaw. They use a motorcycle engine or an outdoor watercraft jet ski engine. Wow. Pretty much anything you can strap a guide bar or a chain on the front of to cut through wood. That's, why, that's mostly for the pro guys. And the other event that the pros do, the college guys don't, is the springboard where there's a standing tree, and they had to cut pockets in it and jump up to the top to cut wood off the top of the timber. 
Uh, really, really fun to watch these guys go nine feet in the air and chop wood. The, the challenging part about that is you can only use a tree two to three times before it uh, ends up falling over naturally. Uh, so that's why college kids can't practice on it because it's a little bit dangerous as well as, you know, you got to practice for it and it's expensive. Right. But the main aspects of what the guys compete in is the chopping and sawing events, which is the single buck. There's a long, flat, cross-cut saw like you see, like, you know, just a big single blade. Right. There's the stock saw event, which is two identically tuned MS-660 steel chainsaws. Two cuts through 16 inches of wood, and you can't go over a four-inch line, so it's a precision and technical event. Then there's our two favorite chopping events, that's the standing block and the underhand chop. Underhand is where you swing that five-pound razor uh, between your legs, uh, the axe, uh, swinging at the wood. And the other one is the standing block where you're swinging at it when it simulates a falling tree where the wood is block is straight up and down. Wow, so I imagine training for that would be really, really difficult. Uh, believe it or not, it, it's one of those things that you're either born with because uh, you had some relative who's been teaching you ever since you were a kid, or you pick up in college. Some of the best competitors we have in the college ranks have only been chopping and sawing for around two to three years before they're able to make it into the Steel Timber Sports Series. So it's tough to train for specifically because of the materials involved, not necessarily from the technique. I mean, some of the best guys, it takes years to perfect it, but the hardest thing, for, to be honest, is finding timber to cut as well as finding an axe that'll work well. A uh, single axe will cost you 500 bucks, and a cross-cut saw will cost you 1500 Oh, wow. It's not like a pair of cleats that you pick up at a you know, big box store. you got to have serious tools and not necessarily something that comes right off a shelf. Would you say that timber sports or lumberjacking, do you think that is still relevant in the world today outside of sports, or is it mainly just a sporting activity now? It's a little bit of both. I mean, folks that work in the industry are really in tune with it. I mean, you see it with some of the popular television shows that are out there that even though we aren't mainstream in terms of what people see on a day-to-day basis, everyone still needs toilet paper, so paper's got to come from somewhere, and everyone writes in their uh, their rule binder, and everyone prints textbooks. So logging is still relevant around the country, even though the, uh, the techniques and trade have moved away from a single axe to a giant lathe. Um, the techniques are still important, and people who study forestry and conservation management are still using those tools and learn about the basics the same way when you pick up math, you start with add and subtract before you go into large calculus. Yeah. So everyone's got to learn from the basics before you can jump up to uh, the high technology of the day-to-day application. Yeah, definitely. You are the producer for the uh, the Timber Sports Challenge, right? That's correct. Uh, I'm actually, I work for Steel Incorporated. I'm the event marketing specialist, and I've been lucky for the last five years to produce a series and work with some really great individuals, both in the college and pro ranks. How did you get involved with this? Actually, uh, when I was at Virginia Tech studying, uh, I was a computer engineer and saw this competition that was hosted on campus, and then I found out later that it was from my hometown in Virginia Beach that where Steel is still incorporated as run. Went to a competition in 2005, watched it a couple times on television, and like most of the folks in our sport, really got a passion for it and got a chance to see it live and got lucky enough to get the job. And uh, ever since then, I've been had, you know blessed to be walking around the country with some of the best athletes in the world. So would you say that you're living your dream? Yeah. I would definitely say that. Uh, as much as someone can say, you know, being up to their elbows and sawdust is a fun activity, uh, you know, I take passion from it every single day. That was the qualifier that was hosted here, correct? Yep. So do you have any favorites to win the whole shebang? Oh, yeah. Actually, we, we just got done filming the U.S. Championships in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, about a week and a half ago. Um, I had a couple guys, and definitely one of my big favorites coming out of it was the NC State competitor, Victor Wasak. He was one of the top guys coming out of the southern region, as well as one of the top uh, competitors in the country. Really, between my thoughts around him, there's a gentleman from Penn State named Tim Benedict, who was a great competitor. Even our wild card guy, which we selected as uh, you know, someone who didn't quite make it to the championship by qualifying, uh, he had enough skill to make it. Got a gentleman named Mitch Richardson out of Cal Poly on the West Coast. He 
he's you know a big guy has been practicing for a long time and he really is taking this opportunity to get to the national championships to you know make a go at it and see if he can earn a shot in the 2013 pro series for any of our listeners that are actually considering this what would what would your suggestions be to, to start this hobby Oh, especially if you're a college student right now, definitely link up with any of the students who are studying forestry at the college. That's one of the best ways to get involved because all the students are already studying it, and they're most likely on the forestry club. Every year they train specifically for this outdoor conclave and regional event. Next year we're hosting the Southern Qualifier at Auburn, so it's a free trip out of the area to hang out with some of the folks who have a real passion for you know studying forestry, but also for the sport that we all love. That's about it for the uh, for the interview we've got today. I'd like to thank you, Brad, for calling in and giving us all this great information. Absolutely. I appreciate it, man. It's a, a great sport. I definitely encourage anyone to check it out, uh, find out the results, and learn more about it at stilltimbersports.com. But uh, definitely, if you have any information, that's the best place to go to learn more about the activity and uh, about the sport. And do you know the, uh, the airing dates offhand? Uh, for the U.S. Championships, it's actually going to be airing on ESPNU July 27th, but the NC State competition is actually airing this Friday, July, what is that, the 6th? Yeah, July 6th. Oh, very cool. So that's July 6th for everyone that wants to watch it. Yep, on ESPNU. All right, thank you, Brad, and that's, uh, that's all I'm going to need uh, today. No worries. Thanks a bunch for your help. I, I do appreciate it. Thank you, and for Eye on the Triangle, this has been DeAndre Jones. Senate Bill 820 was passed late last night when the North Carolina legislature overrode Governor Beverly Perdue's veto. The bill made fracking legal in the state of North Carolina. Jake has more. Ten years ago, if you'd asked an expert about the energy situation in the United States, they might have told you that the U.S. is not prepared to handle the energy demands of the future, that we would have to look elsewhere for our energy sources. And then about five years ago, a new technique came out one that had the potential to tap a hundred years worth of energy right here in the United States. Since then, fracking has become one of the most prominent environmental issues facing the country today. Fracking, or hydraulic fracturing, has been around for some time, but has only become practical in the past 10 years. It is a process that involves drilling a deep well down to bedrock level, where large levels of natural gas have built up over millions of years. Mixtures of water, sand, and other deposits are pumped down at high pressure, forcing natural gas up the pipe. It is a controversial process whose effects are not widely understood. Supporters claim that the U.S. could once again become a world energy supplier with all the natural gas just waiting to be extracted. In a time of deep economic uncertainties, the fracking boom has brought a revitalization and jobs to Rust Belt cities long written off. Or so goes the argument. However, many claim that the risks of such a method do not outweigh the benefits. This controversial practice has been banned in France, and Vermont recently became the first state in the country to also ban the practice. To be fair, the exact effects of fracking are not yet well understood, but there is evidence that the natural gas tends to leak into the water table. We'll just give it a second here. Whoa! This is perhaps what most people are familiar with. In this video, a man holds up a match to his running kitchen faucet, which then ignites due to the methane gas coming out of the sink. And this has become a central debate between the pro and the anti-frackers. Nobody really knows how safe it is. Recently, the issues of fracking have come to North Carolina. 
Senate Bill 820 was introduced in May and would have made fracking legal in the state of North Carolina. Republican leaders in the state Congress would have allowed regulators two years to put together guidelines and regulations before commercial drilling could take place in the state. On June 21st, the bill was ratified and sent to Governor Purdue's desk to be signed. On July 1st, the governor vetoed the bill, and usually that's where a bill ends. But then things got interesting. In order to override the governor's veto, the House needed 72 votes. Around 11 p.m. on July 2nd, it came to a vote. 47 nays and 72 yays. But even as the green yay button was being pushed, Representative Becky Carney from Mecklenburg County was heard saying, Oh my gosh, I pushed green. The deciding vote was a mistake. And yet, it was a yay. A yes vote is a yes vote. And with a 31 to 10 vote in the Senate, Senate Bill 820 became a law. Now, it will be a couple of years, at least, before any real hydraulic fracturing will be seen in the state. As of right now, there's no regulation, nothing at all in the books determining how to approach fracking. Time will tell if this new law brings economic prosperity or environmental calamity. For On the Triangle, I'm Jay Clangois. We're going to take a quick break, but stick around, everyone. We've got more on the way. In case you haven't heard yet, North Carolina lost a great son today. Andy Griffith died at the age of 86. Here's Andrew. Andy Griffith died today. He was 86. Griffith grew up in Mount Airy and attended the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. His first acting role was in the Lost Colony outdoor pageant as Sir Walter Raleigh. He went on to star in The Andy Griffith Show in which he played the character of Sheriff Andy Taylor in the fictional rural North Carolina's out of Mayberry. Griffith later played lawyer Ben Matlock on the show Matlock. Said Governor Purdue, North Carolina has lost its favorite son. Andy Griffith graciously stepped into the living room of generations of Americans, always with the playful charm that made him the standard by which entertainers would be measured for decades. A statue of Andy Griffith walking with Ron Howard to the fishing hole can be found in Raleigh's own Poland Park. Well, now take down your fishing pole and meet me at the fishing hole. We may not get a bite all day, but don't you rush away. What a great place to rest your bones and mighty fine for skipping stones. You feel fresh as a lemonade setting in the shade. Weather is hot. Whether it's cool, oh, what a spot for whistling like a fool. What a fine day to take a stroll and wander by the fishing hole. I can't think of a better way to pass the time of day. Cool out. 
fields in dewy grass or else pull up a weed to chow and maybe set in jaw. And now for the answer to last show's riddle. When first said, it's quite mysterious, but when explained, it's nothing serious. What is it, DeAndre? The answer is a riddle. What's this week's riddle, Jake? Well, there may be a house full or a hole full, but you cannot catch a bow full. What is it? <laughs> Think about it. Well, that's all we have for you tonight. We thank you for tuning in. And as always, if you heard anything you liked, you hated, or anything that made you think, let us know on our Facebook page. You can also follow us on Twitter at WKNC underscore EOT. Also, be sure to check out our blog at WKNC.org. And don't forget, we're now broadcasting every other week, so we will see you, so we will see you on the 17th of July. And until then, have a happy 4th of July. Good night.